So you close your laptop. 6 p.m., 7 p.m.? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, let, let's... So sometime between the hours of 6, 7, and like 2 in the morning, the laptop gets closed. Yeah. Right. And then you go into this beautiful corner of your beautiful Paris apartment, and you become a tailor. Yeah, under the cover of night, yeah. This is When the Work is Done, a podcast about deep, beautiful, and sometimes a little obsessive hobbies. Hobbies that require and nurture profound skill, and that you could maybe even fill a lifetime with. In this first pilot episode, I am thrilled to be joined by my friend, Dr. Daniel. He's a neuroscientist by day and a tailor at night. Enjoy the show. And then you sit in front of this nice old sewing machine mm -hmm. and you create like jackets and shirts and trousers. And I've seen some of them, right? And they look absolutely amazing. They are of, um, they're of a professional quality. I would totally wear this. How did you get into it? It, it, it was born of uh, context. So uh, it, it started it, it started because I, I was in Hong Kong years ago and got a bunch of clothes made, I think around 2014. And for the first time in my life, I had clothes that really fit well. And it was eye-opening to me. Um, you know, I've always struggled with like retail stores to get things that really fit correctly. And this was new. Uh, and exciting. And I thought, I've got to keep doing this. But I found out that European tailors um, are not necessarily affordable on a researcher's salary. So it just dawned on me one day, like, there are millions of people all over the world working in sweatshops producing this stuff. How hard could it be? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I'm sure it helps to have specialized equipment, but there's a long history to producing clothing that precedes that. It can't be impossible to figure out how to put these things together right right and i happened uh, to have a sewing machine laying around so i just started searching around on the internet and looking at the clothes that i had made and kind of step by step figured out the different Wait, parts of the process you happened um, to have a sewing machine around already yeah i got it because i was doing i was setting up a space at one point and needed to make some curtains so right. it was one of those like entry level um singer sewing machines. And I, so I started working with that and had a lot of trouble with it and kind of very quickly realized it might be worth going up a notch in terms of the, the quality of the machine. And that was eye-opening because I, I recall a friend actually saying to me at some point, we were talking about something totally unrelated. I think it was like glass cutting. And he realized he just didn't have the right tool to do it. And once he got the correct kind of professional level tool to do this glass cutting, it was easy as anything. Um, and the importance of just having a good quality tool, if you have the basic skills, makes all the difference. So I upgraded the machine and uh, all of a sudden was able to you know, do things that uh, wouldn't have been possible with the kind of entry level thing. What was the first... Um thing you made on it on the cheap I, one i made a shirt I, i i stayed up all night making a shirt and uh and yeah and it was exciting it was fun just sort of piece by piece i think it probably took about 12 hours wow but it was one of those it was one of those things where like you do one step and you're immediately rewarded with this 
this object that you're creating, you know, you're building it piece by piece essentially. And, you know, it gets to three, four, five in the morning and you keep saying, okay, okay, I'll just do this and I'll stop and I'll take it up tomorrow over the weekend or something. And it was just so exciting to see it take form that, uh, I couldn't stop until it was done. <laughs> yeah. So that was the first thing. So is, is like, is a shirt one of the harder things to make? Or is it like a, a good entry level uh, beginner's project? I think it's sort of, yeah, I, I think it's a good first thing. It's not, it's not necessarily beginners because there are some, some tricky aspects to it, uh, but it's not as complex uh, a piece of clothing like a jacket is, which is really tricky to do. Oh, jacket is harder than uh, a shirt? So I started with the shirt and... Oh, interesting. Uh, a men's like a, a men's because they're a blazer jacket. Yeah. So every tailoring book you look at will say the same thing, which is do not start by trying to make a jacket. I know it's tempting. It, it's the cool thing to make. Don't do it. it. It's far too complex. It takes too long. It's frustrating and it won't work in the end. You won't be able to wear it. And so, of course, after finishing the shirt, the next thing I had to do was a jacket. Right. And that was a disaster. Uh, I spent six months learning a lot. But I'll never wear the thing. Where, where, where did you learn this from? Did you get like a couple of books, or is this something you learned from YouTube? Or uh, yeah, sort of YouTube books. You just start searching. There, uh, found some forums that I started searching through as well uh, for suggestions. And um, yeah, it was all online. It was the kind of thing that was. It was a good hobby to do at night. It's quiet enough, right? Um, it's not a musical instrument. It's going to keep your neighbors up. Um, and it is something that also worked well with my life. I was traveling a lot for work. So it gave me this fun opportunity when I would visit a new city. I would check out some of the fabric stores and uh, local oh, fabric districts. And, you have, so you have a reason, you have a like reason a, to sort of go and seek out a specific go part out. of the town and just like find that street where they sell a lot of fabric yeah, or yeah, find yeah. that market. Exactly. Oh, that's very cool. Okay. And, And to interact with people and see the different cultures and it just gave, and, and to pick something up. And so I would able, you know, on these travels, I'd bring back a couple of uh, new pieces of fabric and, uh, and make something from them. So it, it was a fun kind of a hobby to have that um, complemented life. Yeah. That how, much, quite well. how much time are you spending tailoring on a sort of weekly basis? Oh, It, it really does vary. I think I haven't lost that habit of once I start something, I'll, I'll get quite um, obsessive with finishing it. So um, it, it varies quite a okay. bit. Uh, it's hard to gauge this week. Or sorry, it's hard to gauge this year just because everything's been so different. But um, yeah, I would say it's kind of maybe two, three hours a night uh, when I'm really working on something. If I wanted to start sort of tailoring today you would you mm -hmm. um, i would i would get like a, a cheap sewing machine what else do i need like what's the sort mm. of minimum viable setup if you so if you really wanted to do it my first recommendation would be don't get a cheap one because it'll it, the thread will break the tension's off it'll just be frustrating what's and so my cheap? first piece of advice sorry what's cheap in this context like what um like a like one of those entry level 60 70 euro kind of singer type so okay. ikea style sewing machines um they they do the job they you can use them to 
hem a curtain or, or pants, you know. Um, but as soon as you start getting into really precise sewing, it just gets frustrating. The thread jams, the tension's hard to regulate. And and it'll it, it isn't encouraging in, in learning the how to how to make things. Okay. So if you go kind of one step up from that, then you have a machine that that will be much more fun to use. Um, and it won't get in the way as much of what you're trying to make. So you get you get that. And then it depends, like any hobby, I think, the trick is, or any job, really, you, you find the aspects of it that you enjoy and you focus on those. Um, you know, it's tempting when you, you, you make an article, you make a, a piece of clothing and you say, oh, wow, this is cool. I, you know, I, I made that cut it. I designed even the pattern maybe and, and put it together and look at that object. But the real magic, or sorry, let me, take, let me take that a step back actually. So the first time you make a piece of clothing, you get a pattern, you make a piece of clothing. Let's say you buy a pattern in a store and you make this thing and you think, oh, okay, I made this thing. That's fantastic. I put it together with my own hands. And then you realize, well, wait, actually kind of the magic and that is the form. It's the pattern. And so I'm going to learn how to do the pattern. And then you make your own pattern and then you make the piece of clothing and you feel like you've really created something until you realize actually what makes this beautiful is the weave. It's the fabric. And you're not going to go out at that point and get a loom necessarily. I mean, I guess some people might go that far, but it can just keep going steps back. And so the trick in part is to figure out what parts of this process do you enjoy? What do you want to try and work on? What's feasible? Um, and where do you want to put your time into? And and I find I love the part about designing the patterns. And so uh, you could, of course, go out and, and buy store-bought. What's a pattern in this Sorry? context? Um, yeah, the pattern is the template, the, the template that you would usually draw on paper uh, for the, the piece of clothing. So this is the kind of stuff that you see like fashion designers drawing on their, in their like little notebooks? Or no, this is the this is it's a step uh, after that. This is the how you transfer that idea of mm -hmm. what it will look like into the actual template that you'll cut into the fabric. Okay, I see. So these are kind of like so the, it's the, the specs of the thing that you're making, in a way. Even more, it's it's like even a step beyond the blueprint. It's as if you you actually had sketches for exactly every piece that you would need to build the house it's right. the, the 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 physical template for the um, the fabric going going back to sort of like the absolute sort of beginner stages uh i guess there's like lots of lots of points where you get frustrated and you and you kind of um are almost giving up uh what's the sort of typical difficulty when you get started with tailoring What are the sort of initial oh. hurdles that you need to need to master before it becomes? I, mean, I guess like there's always these sort of like phases where you start doing something and it's a lot of fun and then you hit a wall and suddenly it's very unfun and you need to sort of get past that wall before it becomes fun again. No, I mean I, it's the thing is that there's something for me about working with fabric in that way that it's very rarely not fun. Right, this is a hobby, uh, and if it weren't, if I didn't enjoy it. I wouldn't do it. Um, there's something, it's just kind of, you can dive very deep into the process and I just like working with my hands and those kinds of materials in that way. It's very manageable. Right. Um, but I would say like, 
especially at the beginning, but even now, you know, 50% of the time, especially at the beginning, or more went into fixing mistakes. So you do something wrong, you sew a seam in the wrong way, you spend much more time picking that out and starting over than, um, than if you'd just done it right the first time. So there is a lot of frustration with that. And then there is also this other moment that is also quite thrilling where you cut the fabric for the first time along the, the lines that you've drawn, that template that I mentioned. And it's kind of a moment of no return where you just have to, at some point, stop thinking about the design and how these little, really tiny nuances are going to change the final product and just make a decision and do it. And that was something that I, in, in my in my day job, you can always modify something until the very last minute, right? We're writing articles, we're um, creating presentations, grants that we're submitting, and you can constantly modify. But with, with sewing, there is this point of no return where you just have to say, okay, I'm, I'm starting now, and you, and you cut. Um, and there's something fun in saying, okay, it's on to the next stage, and there is no turning back. I'm going to see this through. And I must have made half a dozen pairs of pants that are just unwearable. Like, that's it. They're, they, you know, throw them out. I learned something. It's... That's all it is, and and try again next time. So you have a um, you have a pile of you have a pile of um, uh, oh yeah unfinished or oh no finished finished but maybe not <laughs> optimal uh, pieces of not color. wearable okay <laughs> totally so it's not wearable like you know you get to that point after whatever it is at the beginning it's probably ten hours uh, and like well all right um, that didn't <laughs> that did not work what did I do wrong and you go back and you try and correct it and not make that mistake again um, can you give an example like what's what's an example of like such a mistake where you make something unbearable oh yeah uh, I mean how does that are the trickiest one. Oh god I mean I've done yeah so pants are the trickiest because if you just if you the fit has to be really well balanced or it just doesn't sit right. It's just hard to get that right. And yeah. there are, there are certain, uh, and you start to learn the relationship between what, how something looks in two dimensions flat, you know, on the surface and what, what's going to happen when you turn that into a three dimensional object. Um, you start to learn where, as you change certain angles and lines, that's going to, that's going to have consequences down the road in, in terms of how the garment hangs. And uh, yeah, 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 no, you just, it just doesn't look right. It just doesn't fit. You can't wear it. Right. Uh, and then recently, God, the worst thing, I, st I spent a week making a jacket really carefully and it was beautiful. And then I, I finished it and it was made of this nice cotton denim and I put it in a water to soak it, you know, to finish it up. And I pull it out and it had managed to shrink by maybe five, you know, maybe 10%. Mm. And that was it. And it was, I, yeah, I can't, that's it. So the, but the, the, it. the shrinking aspect wasn't planned. Yeah, it was not planned. Okay. No, so this is not, not something you just it do today, but you need to soak it in water for some other reason. Um, I just didn't, I was more washing it in cold water okay. and it managed to shrink and that was it. And it's, It's a really nice jacket that uh, I have to find somebody a bit smaller than myself to enjoy it. <laughs> Stuff like that. <laughs> you know. What's the, like, how many total pieces of clothing have you made that you're actively wearing? 
oh, actively wearing, uh, things wear out, you know. Um, and the best part about this hobby is I don't have to go to stores to buy clothes anymore. Uh, so, is, so, so virtually everything you're wearing, at this point, you've yeah. made yourself. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. Does that include underwear? Uh, no, but I have sorted how to do that. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's sort of the next. I've, I've started doing like t-shirts, you know. Uh, finally. Oh, okay. T-shirts. I, again, I mean, I, I guess, everything I guess t-shirts results are, from t-shirts are really hard, are they? Uh, they're only difficult because the fabric stretches and yeah. it is hard to work with with knits. But there are certain advantages as well. And so I finally decided to kind of figure out how to do that. And like everything with this, it came from this year. I needed new kind of V-neck t-shirts. I went to the store and I was just disappointed in the quality. That I could I could do this. I could, how hard could it be, right? And so four months later. <laughs> You know, finally sort of figured it out. Um, and I'm very happy with, with how it turned out. Uh, but it's a process. I mean, I would assume that the amount of time it takes you to create something, that must have gone down from the early days, right? Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Um, so just give me a ballpark idea. Making a jacket, how long does that take you how long did that take you the first time how long does it take you now oh i would i mean or the thing that i've done the most i've probably done about 25 um like button down shirts right okay uh and the first one took me about 12 hours and now i think it's probably down to four if i'm taking if i if i'm really rushing it i could probably right. get it down further but you, to three but, you prob- but you'll see that you're probably not yeah. even rushing it with four no no, I'm yeah. taking it carefully, step by step. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, I'm, I'm guessing you're not rushing it because you're not doing this to sell the shirts. You're not kind of trying to optimize the efficiency of your production. You are yeah. doing this because right. you enjoy the process. Mm-hmm. Totally. Is totally. this is this and, something you yeah. is this something you talk about much with? other people overall because i mean i i remember uh, i was quite surprised when i when i suddenly like when i visited you in your apartment and i saw the sewing machine <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know that and yeah like, do your colleagues know for example yeah I, I used to be more quiet about it i found out i found out early on that the best compliment you could get on a piece of clothing that you've made yourself is that nobody mentions anything <laughs> is it Because I mean, as soon as somebody right. says like, oh, did yes. you, did That's you make that yourself? <laughs> it's... Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, I, it comes up now, now I'll talk about it because it is, it's become a bit more involved than, than it was, uh, five years ago. Um, right. And, and, uh, it's, it's genuinely become like a part of my, it really is a hobby, um, which is something that I didn't have before. In that way, um, it's something I, I do enjoy putting time into and learning about. And um, and then, oh, funny things happen. So, like, I was in China for a collaboration and, of course, took advantage of the opportunity to go into that whole world of Alibaba and interacting directly with factories and sourcing buttons and denim and things. And this was a funny version of this story where I, I don't recall exactly why this happened but one day i'm sitting in the office with a colleague in hangzhou and 
she comes and says, did you like, are you, are, are you expecting fabric to be delivered to your hotel? I had no idea. Turns out the comp- the factory contact the hotel, they contacted their contact who'd made the reservation, which was my colleague. And all of a sudden I had to explain why I had a few meters of denim showing up at the hotel. So that kind of outed me there. Um, you know, these are, these are the, uh, the risks of, of right. investing too much in a, in a hobby, I suppose. Yeah. But they okay. were charmed. Uh, so the was cool. of, the, of the, of the Taylor business. Oh, well, yeah. Exactly. It was funny. Yeah. But oh, I was going to mention, now I remember the thing about designing items and you were asking, like, do you have an image of what you're going to... And another mistake that I learned very early on, and I think this is particularly true of men's clothing, is that the forms are really standard by now. And one of the things you learn early on is that there's good reason for almost every detail in men's clothing. They're meant to be practical things that are worn over and over again. And uh, early on, I would really try to innovate with designs and change the way buttons worked and flip things around. This you know, and it almost never worked better than the standard shirt structure that you're you're used to seeing. And at some point, I, I read a blog that I found quite helpful, which is that when you're designing men's clothing in particular, there are three main aspects that you can change. You can change the the color of the fabric, the the type of fabric, or the form. Um, and you, you basically can get away with changing one of those aspects at a time, but never more than one. And every time I violated that rule, I've just had to, you know, throw it in the closet. It's not gonna, not gonna happen. Interesting. Um, so you, you, so you, were, you were trying to be more innovative early on, and um, exactly as you, as you and learned, I, as you learned more about it, um, mostly via failure, uh, you realized that yeah. there are, there are good reasons. Um, for why things are usually done the way they are, and mm-hmm. and it's best to you kind of you stick that and you break if you really want to you break one rule at a time, and and you see how it works like like an experiment right you change one variable and uh, more than that and you do very quickly run the risk of it being uh, problematic, right. Yeah. So that that's a hard one lesson there. Would you? How would you feel about? Um, or have you ever, even remotely, considered going pro? Oh, constantly. Yeah. At this point, sure. Wow. Okay. So you are. So there's like there is a thought in your mind about leaving their signs and becoming totally. a becoming a professional tailor slash tailor. fashion designer i guess i'm gonna go with tailor because I, I i what i really enjoy about it is the hands-on aspect i i, I couldn't imagine just sitting um and designing right you like, i guess a, fa- a fashion so, yeah. designer is like an architect who just doesn't build the house exactly they just design exactly. and have sweatshops build it for them precisely and i really like having the sweatshop at home right huh is there like is, the, is yeah, that totally. is, is like are there um what's the business like the business of being a tailor oh i i have i i imagine it's miserable like everything but uh but i i do keep my eye out on 
on other folks that appear to be doing the kind of thing that one day I might want to set up. Um, and there, it, it does seem like there is a market for well, you know, well-made custom clothing. Um, and it's not something I envision in the near future, but I love to fantasize about it. Uh, and if I didn't have my current job and I were, 10 years younger, I think I'd be going in that direction in a heartbeat. Really and interesting. Okay. So you don't, you don't imagine that um, doing the tailoring for economic gain would ruin the joy that you're currently experiencing with it? I honestly, oh, uh, as you know, sometimes like when you do something and it's just for you, of course. just for fun, that's very different than being in a position where you do it because you get something else for it, like money. And it absolutely, and it's and it's on your own terms versus an obligation. At that point, it's a place of um, refuge, right? Yeah, versus being one of um, yeah constraints and. Um, the only thing I can say, it's impossible to know, right? Uh, it's impossible to know where things would end up. However, I have ended up, as you know, in a couple of situations where I've overcommitted to making 30, let's say, kimonos, for instance, or uh, yes, I a, at one point, you, you might recall that, or I, I organized a conference a few years ago and decided it'd be a nice idea to custom make um, 40 something conference bags for the attendees. Um, and then learned why, why that's a terrible idea to do because that. Because you made, quickly. you turned yourself into a sweatshop in these situations. Totally. Uh, totally. And the truth is, you know, it was really, it was extremely uh, demanding work to do that because it's fun to make one thing. Yeah. And then all that happens as you do it 40 more times is you, you do get faster at it. Uh, you, you refine the process, you streamline it, but it is still doing the same thing 40 times over, which, which is taxing uh, and exhausting. It does feel like you're climbing a mountain a little bit. So do at get, the same time, I, towards I don't... The end? Is there any... Well, and let, me, let me put this differently, like two questions. Um, yeah. If you, when you did these 40 uh, bags or 20 kimonos, is there any way for you to, are there any economies of scale that you can utilize? Like, I don't know, like, do you take the scissors and just like make one cut 20 times at once? Or oh, a little does bit. that, does a that little not bit. You work? You can do that. You can, you can. Uh, okay. And I think I did do that with the, yeah, to, to some extent you can do cutting at the same time. Um, but at, you know, at the end of the day, you're still passing each of those through the sewing machine once. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you, you try and turn it into a bit of a, an assembly line. So it does get faster, but it's still, yeah, you're really just. And I guess that you just push through. And that makes it kind of joyless, right? Well, that's when the joylessness. Well, unless you enjoy the process, yes. right? Yeah. Uh, and this is where I think some people would definitely go nuts. And 
I, I, uh, it, it was a huge time commitment, but I, I, I did enjoy it. Like I don't look back at those several nights spent in the middle of trying to finish those things up. I, I, I don't recall. I recall thinking this was a terrible idea, but <laughs> I, I, I didn't. Uh, I enjoyed the process of doing it, and yeah. uh, and that does make me wonder. You know. I wouldn't say there's a feeling of having missed the calling. I remember the same obsession with the kind of work I did in research as well. Um, And it's that same feeling of you just engage in it and time drifts by and it's challenging you in various ways and you get to use skills that you develop, plan things out and, and execute it. Um, You go into flow. flow Totally. Yeah. Totally. Speaking of your research, any is there any sort of um, transfer between these two areas of your life? Like, or is there are there yeah. any sort of are there any sort of tailoring metaphors that carry over into neuroscience and vice versa? Well, I think there are the, the more direct direct metaphors that do carry over. Right, you spend enough time thinking about um, fabric and. A lot of my work does relate to thinking about uh, cortical organization, which can be abstracted to be thought of as um, like a two-dimensional sheet. And so there are these relationships in thinking about space and thinking about how things fold into a three-dimensional shape, which is a similar problem in Mm -hmm. both cases. Um, And that's certainly, there have been moments of linking up those ideas. And then I think the most valuable part of it especially early on, um, was in putting myself in a situation where I was forced to learn something completely new again. And it, it helped to build a bit of understanding also what the folks that, um, uh, that were in my lab that I was training, um, what their experience may have been like in both the frustrations and challenges and how to take on, um, new projects and ideas and methods. Um, Interesting. Because you encounter all that when you're learning a new hobby. And, yeah. and it reminds you of what it's like essentially to be in school and with all of the excitement and frustration that that brings. So that was, I learned a lot of lessons in that way as well, what it means to learn something new and to take risks um, and to be confronted with the frustrations of failure and how you deal with that. Um, That's so cool. Thank you so much, Daniel. Um, That was extremely fun. (laughs) 